so Dave, uh, mm-hmm. in these times of trial and tribulation, you know, you know what I, you know what I've wanted more than anything else. You probably wanted to ask for more. I, I did. I wanted to ask mm-hmm. for more, and I, but I have no idea how to do it. Hmm. Yeah. Well, there should be a podcast about that, like an episode two hundred of the Dave and Gunner Show. That you you should listen to it. Oh yeah, you're right. I should go back and listen to that. You know, although I did have questions about ask for more, and I feel like I wanted more. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I wonder is there a so, way that you is there a way that you could give me you know more? Well, I wonder what would happen if I just reached out to the author and and tried to get her uh, on the podcast. Well, that's that's one way to do it, but that feels like I mean, Dave, we don't have those kinds of connections. We don't, we're not we're not hooked up like that. We, this is a global podcast operation. Uh, we we had the reach. I, I got my intern on it. Um, yes. No. Uh, so no, in all seriousness, uh, I reached out to Alex Carter over LinkedIn uh, and had a chat with her and, and brought her in to uh, do a fireside chat with me at uh, one of our public sector meetings and uh, was lucky enough to get it recorded. And she gave us the green light to uh, publish it here. So wanted to uh, share that with you and with everybody else. So for those that have been asking for more, uh, your dreams have been come, uh, have come true. <laughs> That's great. All right. Uh, so do we just jump into it? Yeah, let's do it. All Fire right. up the modem sound. Yeah. <laughs> In, in all my years of being at Red Hat, uh, 13 uh, and, and, and change, uh, every year we have a book club uh, that tells us, uh, it sort of gives us a common vocabulary, a common vernacular for us to use. And um, I've seen it through the years. It's, it's been wonderful. This is the second book club that I've led. Um, the one I did before that was uh, Randy Pausch's book, if you, if you guys remember the last lecture, and um, made a lot of people cry. Uh, so that was super fun. And uh, so I'm really excited to to have uh, Alex Carter join us. So I'll tell you a little bit about Alex before uh, she comes on here. But uh, so Alex is a director of uh, the Mediation Clinic at Columbia Law School, where she's also an award-winning professor, a world-renowned negotiation trainer for the United Nations. She also serves as the executive director of Stand Up Girls, helping tween girls develop relationships for greater self-esteem and resilience. And so... Alex, uh, come on. Let's let's start talking about asking for more. Hi, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here, and welcome everybody. I'm so thrilled to talk today. Yeah. So let. So it's funny. It's like when we were uh, planning for this. You know, this this whole book that I got. It was you know when I got it and I read it. It was like, yeah, this will help me. You know, worst case scenario, I can negotiate a better car deal. Or, you know, and maybe I'll be able to apply it to work. But but now, you know, as I read it and, and give you some advice back to your publishers, they ought to publish it on yellow paper because I went through a couple highlighters just going through um, all that. But it was so good. And, and there's not, you know, and so throughout this talk today, we're going to talk about not just how you can apply this to work, but how can you apply it personally and also how you can apply it with your family, especially as we're all sheltering in place here. So, so let's, let's start off, Alex, with the, the work part of it. But, you know, what are some of the things, you know, uh, I mentioned we got a lot of account execs, uh, uh, pre-sale solutions architects, folks in customer-facing selling roles. Um, what is your advice to them as far as negotiations go? 
Yeah, okay, absolutely. So let's start first by thinking about what negotiation is. And I'm wondering how many people, and I see here we're up at 4.13, so please make sure to say hello in the chat. When I see the blinking light, it makes me feel less alone here at home. So I'm wondering how many people on the line today were taught the same tired old definition of negotiation that I was taught, which is that it's just a transactional back and forth over money, right? So buying that car, like Dave talked about. And by the way, Dave, I I've spoken to CEOs even who hate the process of buying a car. I think no matter where we are in the political spectrum, that's something that unites us all, that our distaste for that particular transaction. Or we might be thinking, well, this is just the lead up right before I sign a deal with my client or once a year when I go into my boss and say, hey, I'm Alex Carter. I published a book this year. I won an award. Keep me in mind when you're making those salary decisions. But I learned better and I learned it in Hawaii on my honeymoon. So picture this. I'm in a kayak on the Wailua River with my husband and up ahead, our guide turns around and says, please negotiate your kayaks to the left so we can wind up on that beach. And that was the moment I realized, Dave, that there's more than one way to think about negotiation. When you are negotiating a kayak toward a beach, what are you doing? You're steering. And so these days I teach that negotiation is not just the money conversations. It's any conversation where you are steering a relationship, where you are teaching someone how to value you how to think about your work, and when you're getting to know them so well that you're gonna figure out how to solve not just this problem, but the one they have coming after. Okay, nice. Well, what are some of the magical terms that we use in the book? Like, well, actually silence is one. Um, let, let's talk about silence. We're, we always, I know for us, especially as a, a nerd. I want to tell everybody all about the great technology we have and whether they want to hear about it or not. But what about why is silence golden? Yeah. So so let's talk about silence and let's talk about what comes before it. So most yeah. of the time people assume like you, you have something great to offer. Let's say you're in sales. You're the head of business development. You're walking into a room. You're showing your glossy pitch deck. You're ready to tell them about everything that you have to offer. You really believe in it. That is not actually the most effective way to negotiate or to sell. I dealt with a company during coronavirus, you know, big product company, and they called me because they were going into a meeting with a potential distributor. They had been in twice before and twice they had done what you just talked about, Dave. They had shown the pitch deck. They had talked about the mission and they didn't get the deal. This time we did a different approach. They walked in and they led where everybody should lead their negotiations. They asked a question and they didn't just ask any question. They asked the two magic words that I tell people to start every negotiation with, tell me. So they went in and said, we're thrilled to be here. We've been here twice before. Dave, tell us how you're seeing the sector and where our product fits in. And then they sat back and they landed the plane. They enjoyed the silence and the stunned distributor waited a couple seconds and then said, all right, you wanna know why you didn't get the deal? Here's why you didn't get the deal. I didn't see the data to support that my consumers in the Midwest were ready for your premium product. Now I'm no longer so sure, so I thought I'd call you in. Bingo, they called me later to say, 
one question and five seconds of silence, and we landed the six-figure deal in the midst of a pandemic. So when in doubt, start your negotiation with a question, a big question, an open question, and then have the courage to sit back in silence. Don't add more words. Don't bid against yourself. Let them come to you. That's so hard to do. It takes practice. And I, I'm watching the chat fly by and, and Paul, uh, who was just on, he, he just called me out for saying, uh, tell me about silence. Um, so I'm, I'm, I guess I'm a star pupil here. Um, okay. So, so we talked about the, the work aspects of it. Um, what about, you know, things like, uh, you know, as, as we go from the work side to the personal side of like, you know, navigating your own career, um, but also your personal growth um, and things like that. And especially now COVID wise, as, as we're all sheltering in place and it's really easy to have self doubts and, you know, question, you know, you know, what, what, where the purpose is and everything. So can, can you uh, tell me about, about that? Yeah, sure. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I talk about being in a kayak as being negotiation yeah. and I don't know about for all of you, but since around March 9th, it feels like my kayak is going through category five rapids, right? So it's, it's like kayaking in extreme conditions. I'm still working really hard, but I'm getting used to doing my work in a totally different way. And also now the space between work and home for me is like 20 feet down the hall. So everything is all together. So here's what I want to say to you all right now. What the approach that I teach is about leading with questions. But here's the thing. It doesn't start the moment that you sit down with somebody else. And I don't care whether that person is your spouse or partner, your kid, whether it's a potential client or whether it's with your CEO. It starts at home with you. So the key is really asking yourself a few great questions before you get in that room or before you're on the Zoom talking to someone. And I want to give you just two questions to think about here today. These are two questions that you should ask before any conversation. The first is, what's the problem I want to solve? Do you know that defining the problem you want to solve is most of negotiation success? And for companies, it's most of their success during a recession. In the book, I talk about Steve Jobs and how you know, fresh off the huge success of the iPod. Remember those when you use something just for music? He watched people put an iPod and a Palm Pilot and a Blackberry and all sorts of other stuff in a huge bag. And he thought, I haven't solved the right problem. I need one device that people can use for everything. He saw the problem that no one else saw and he solved it. Same thing if you're dealing with, let's say you lose a client during coronavirus coronavirus, right? And you're thinking, okay, I need to make up my revenue for June. I'm going to blast my whole Rolodex. Hold on. What is the problem you're trying to solve? Is it really just getting June revenue in the door at any cost? Or are we trying to figure out how to pivot your business? Are we trying to figure out your best yeses? In which case, we're not sending out a blast email to 2,000 people. We're calling five and we're making a targeted pitch for your best customers. Last thing I'll say is this question works well at home. How many people have a kid, my daughter's nine, that they cannot get off the screens, okay? My daughter is addicted to Roblox. 
please hit me up in the chat if you two have a, a Roblox problem in your household. So it's so easy for me to walk into the room, Dave, see her laptop open and slam it shut and say, we're done. But here's the thing. What's the problem I want to solve? The real problem. Is it, do I want her to read more? Do I want her outside more? Do I want more time for us to connect, right? And by the way, there are a bazillion people right now in the chat saying Roblox, Roblox, Roblox. Yes, absolutely. We're Adopt Me fans over here. I, I can see people populating the chat. And so if I decide the real problem is reading, then I don't go in and slam the laptop. Instead, I go in and say, mom wants to talk to you about having more time for reading. And then the computer is just a piece of that. Defining the problem you want to solve is most of your negotiation success. Second question, last question I want to leave you with today for you to ask yourself. How many of you here have ever struggled with anxiety or confidence going into a negotiation, right? Here is a question I want you to ask yourself. Ready? How have I handled this successfully in the past? You as a person here today, you may have problems in front of you that you're not sure how you're going to solve. But every single person on this call has had prior success. Do you know that when you just ask yourself this question, just by asking myself, how have I handled this successfully in the past? Research shows I'm more likely to negotiate better because it acts like a power prime on my brain. But the other thing is it generates data. It helps you see the strategies that you have used before, write them down, and I promise you, you will find something that's applicable to here. Now, just one last question. I'm sure, Dave, there are people in this chat thinking, well, this is fine, Alex, if, for example, I'm having trouble landing a deal, but I've landed that deal before, and so I have a direct But what happens if I'm trying to do something I've never done before? Fine. I want you, and in fact, why don't we drop this in the chat? I'd like you to think of your proudest prior success. Maybe, yes, you landed a tremendous client deal, or maybe you beat cancer. Maybe like one of the people that I spoke to at a company, you're trying to lead a team, you've never done it before, but your spouse died and you raised two kids on your own. You led that team. I want you to think of the thing that you are most proud of Write down how you achieved it, and I promise you, even if it appears to have nothing to do with what you're facing, you're going to find strategies that you can use to solve this problem. Yeah, so th throw some stuff in the chat of, of your proudest moment. Let's, let's see what people have. So, and it's, it's yeah, let's, let's, yeah. So as people do that, um, I, I think that's really important for people to, you know, it's like, yeah, it's really great to get home runs if if you got home runs all before, but it's like, when have you got a single or when have you scored a goal in another game? And, you know, the, those other types of things that, that could be a blocker. And what about like, as far as, you know, negotiation, it, it you know, for a lot of people that may be introverts that are, or, um, you know, the, they may be reluctant because they see it as confrontation. How can you diffuse that as far as, uh, you know, is it really a confrontational thing or is it a matter of getting to uh, a shared agreement? Yeah, so I love that question. And I, I just want to take a moment, though, Dave, because we have some prior successes here. People, Jennifer's talking about running a, math, a half marathon. Conrad says, I finished my undergraduate degree. 
Ryan's talking about second place at a particular competition. Rita says getting through a loved one's coma. Phil having his bride say yes when he asked her to, to marry me, right? So a lo- undergrad at age 47, so many prior successes here. Use those. Think about those strategies next time you get in the room. And I promise you, I want you to stay in touch and tell me what happens when you focus on the success. So here's the thing. Let's go back to the kayak, right? When you're in the kayak, it's like you're in partnership with the water, right? So those of you who have been in a kayak know if you put your oar down and you don't steer, what's going to happen? The current's going to take you in a different direction, maybe not the direction you wanted to go. But when you are steering, again, we're talking about steering relationships. This is not about aggression. It's not about how much you can hurt the other person. The fact is that life and business are primarily a relationship sport. And all of those negotiation trainers that talk about here's what you do to your adversary, here's what you do to your opponent, in the vast majority of business situations, your opponent at the negotiation table becomes your partner once the deal is done. I once spent a day with people at a television studio who did those huge distribution deals, nine figures, you know, with the cable network. Here's the thing. Once you get past that, you need that network. You need that distributor to get your programming to as many eyeballs as possible. So it's really, really important to think about not just how can I be teaching this person to value me, but how do I get to know that other person? And the one who asks the best questions is the person who gets the furthest. You do not need to be the biggest, most aggressive person in the room. Dave, I am 5'2 in sneakers. They don't even see me coming until I have crawled up inside their brain space, asked some good questions, and taken a look around. And then with that knowledge, sometimes I listen to people so well, I get to know them better than they know themselves. And when I do that, then I'm in a position to be able to make a proposal that solves their problem while also solving mine. And thank you, Trisha. We have people in here saying, I feel seen on the 5-2 comment. Short, short women unite. <laughs> You, you seem 10 feet tall on this video call right now. Your, your energy and enthusiasm um, is outstanding. But so when, when uh, you know, the, the whole thing with the 10 questions is, it, like you said, too, is like you go in and you want to, you, you got to, the, the first five questions are so applicable, even outside of negotiating with other people. It's just doing that soul searching, you know, as we're working from home and figuring out what we want. I um story is that there's a there's somebody in the uh, uh, engineering CTO's office that it's like he's working on an R&D project. And I he heard uh, I did a, the Dave and Gunner show podcast episode 200 featuring your book. Um, and he heard it and he's like, I want to apply this to an open source project I'm working on to make sure it's hitting the market of like figuring out it's like, what is the right thing to do and and how to get it there. But we got two minutes left. Let's talk about family. You talked about your daughter, negotiating with your daughter. Um, what, what about some other things there in terms of, um, you know, one of the things that I, I think a lot of times uh, a lot of books are all about the sunshine and lollipops and there's no dark side. There's sometimes there are these dark things that like guilt that, that you don't want to cover. Maybe you could talk a little bit about that. And then, then let's talk about applying to family. 
Yeah, so so in the last couple of minutes, we're unfortunately going to have to talk about the F word here, which is feelings. I think a lot of times people want to stuff their feelings down because they think feelings are not helpful or feelings will get in the way of your deal or your negotiation. The fact is that feelings are actually how we make decisions. And so taking a moment to really consider your feelings before you go into the room is going to help you feel calmer and more confident once you do. But there are two feelings in particular that I call the big two. They blow up negotiations at home and at work like no other. They are fear and guilt. And in the book, I tell a very personal story. My father has a terminal brain disease. And I got into an, uh, like a confrontation with my uncle, his brother, because he asked an innocent question about my dad's medication and I exploded all over him. Why? Because I was feeling all of this fear and guilt. I was part of the group that was making decisions on my dad's health care. And deep down, I was fearing, am I up to this task? I, you know, when your dad is sick or your parent is sick, you feel like a child again. And I thought, can I really do this? Do I, do I know enough? Am I big enough? And then guilt, you know, should I be doing more? Could I be doing something better? Could I be saving him? And so the next time you feel your own temperature rising significantly or you see that in someone else, think to yourself, like, what am I fearing? What are they fearing? Or what am I feeling guilty about? What might they be feeling guilty about? You know, Dave, this is a year when for people like so much is outside of your control. The day my book came out, asked for more my dad, who's already sick, was diagnosed with coronavirus and was not expected to live more than 24 hours. And so this is where looking in the mirror can be so helpful. I'm not even talking about getting more money at work. I'm talking about getting yourself through the day with some kind of comfort and peace. So during those times, giving yourself space to say, if I can't solve that problem, what problem can I solve? Or what am I feeling about this situation is going to enable you to just one step at a time get us through this incredibly difficult period in history. Yeah. Well, we're one minute over. Um, hopefully it was uh, uh, one minute. Well, well, it was uh, one minute extra that was well worth it. I, I want to thank you for joining. Can everybody in the chat, can we light up, uh, light up the chat for Alex and, and I, I'm so thankful uh, that you came out here. Um, this was such a pleasure. I saw up to 511 people. I, I think you've touched so many people's lives uh, with this book, and I, I just want to thank you for that. Thank you so much. And I always tell people, even when we spend 20 minutes together, we're now colleagues for life. So stay in touch. I have a website, alexcarterasks.com. I'm also on Instagram and LinkedIn. So come and find me and say hello. Hello.